<laughs> okay, now we can start. Locked On Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, a show for the most passionate fan base in the NBA. If you build it, they will come. Joel, you seen that movie? You seen that movie, Joe? Hosts Jordan Malley and Matt Peck dive into the best Bulls news and stories around the NBA. In our 670 of the score studios, Jordan Malley. Shout out to Jordan Malley. Did Matt Peck get a signed copy of that book? No, Matt Peck, he didn't. No, no. I'll talk to D. Rose. Yeah, you got, you're going to make, make Matt, it happen. And Matt, you will be getting your book soon. <laughs> Kick back and get ready for the best hour of your day are players buying in jim i yes fair enough and so all i was saying on this podcast the locked on bulls podcast locked on bulls five days a week locked on bulls starts now you can just see the vibe here are your hosts jordan malley and matt peck what's up and welcome into locked on bulls part of the locked on podcast network your team every day I'm Matt Peck, also host of Bulls Outsiders on NBC Sports Chicago, following all 82 Bulls games this season. You can follow me on Twitter at Bulls underscore Peck. You can follow my co-host Jordan Malley at Jordan C. Malley. And you can follow us at Locked on Bulls or hit us up on Facebook, facebook.com slash Locked on Shy Bulls. Shoot us an email, LockedOnBulls at gmail.com. And of course, that text and voicemail line always there for you, our fellow Bulls fans. 331-979-1369. Again, that text and voicemail line for all of our Bulls mailbag episodes. 331-979-1369. Hope all of you had a wonderful and safe New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. Of course, it was not all that surprising for us Chicagoans to get hit with uh, some blisteringly cold winds and some snow as we transition from 2019 to 2020. Only seems fitting. And uh, if you haven't gotten a chance yet, go back and listen to Jordan's episode from New Year's Day. Uh, a great, great episode where he was going over the Bulls 2010's all-decade team. And in addition to that... Uh, a really clever conversation about some of the all-decade traded, waived, not resigned, what could have been kind of players that have come and gone through this organization in the 2010. So if you haven't listened to that yes, uh, episode from yesterday, highly recommend you go back and do that. We will get to some mailbag content at the back end of today's show, but I wanted to begin things with a couple of pieces of NBA news. First, sadly... Uh, around midday here Chicago time on New Year's Day, several members of the NBA media announced the passing of former NBA commissioner David Stern, who had experienced a brain hemorrhage, I believe, a few weeks ago and had been in critical condition since and uh, passed away New Year's Day with his wife and family by his bedside. Really sad news to start the new calendar year for the NBA and all of its fans David Stern was a juggernaut for this league an iconic figure who will undoubtedly remain an NBA legend even after his passing became the NBA's commissioner in 1984 the same year that a young Michael Jordan was drafted third overall by the Chicago Bulls I wasn't around quite yet but I have seen the video plenty of times a young mustachioid David Stern announcing with the third pick the Chicago Bulls select Michael Jordan from the University of North Carolina. He's also the same man who several years later announced the Bulls drafting iconic players like Joakim Noah from Florida, Derrick Rose with the first overall pick from Memphis, and of course was the commissioner that handed six Larry O'Brien trophies 
to Bulls owner Jerry Reinsdorf. As Scottie Pippen said in his social media posts, I believe it was on Instagram as well as Twitter, the Bulls saw an awful lot of David Stern in the 1990s. And the success of the Bulls as a global brand certainly helped the NBA become what it has become, but David Stern was a big part of that too. Obviously, MJ and Scotty being a part of that 1992 dream team, arguably the greatest greatest basketball team ever assembled over in Barcelona, in addition to NBA games starting to be televised in, in other countries and other continents around the world, the Bulls and all their success, along with the work of David Stern, is what made the NBA what it is today. He came in halfway through the 80s when the league was really struggling. Yes, you had the amazing rivalry of Magic Johnson and Larry Bird, and then, of course, the rising young star of MJ that helped save the league, but the league was floundering. There were plenty of problems with the games, their broadcasts, televised on tape delay, not even NBA Finals games being broadcast live. Of course, there was also a rampant drug problem in the league. The league was really struggling when when David Stern took over. And he took a few big stars like Magic Bird and MJ. And then the amazing decade of the 90s with the greatest of all time, Michael Jordan, and a Bulls team that was so popular and set the NBA on course to be where it is now, which is not just a borderline popular professional sport here in America, but as our downloads from all over the world, because there are Bulls fans all over the world, might tell you the NBA is now a global brand. Certainly the Chicago Bulls were at the front of that, but so was David Stern. And there are countless episodes of... David Stern at that podium as the commissioner of the NBA announcing lottery picks, including number one overall picks that were international talents. And that doesn't happen without David Stern. It doesn't. Adam Silver, I think, by all accounts, has been doing a very fine job as David Stern's successor. Of course, soon after... Stern stepped down in 2014. Adam Silver, a few months on the job, had to deal with that terrible uh, Donald Sterling incident. The former owner of the Clippers who had such terrible things to say about the very same Magic Johnson. The Magic Johnson who David Stern stood behind and fully supported when in 1991 he announced as one of the most popular players in the league that he was HIV positive. At a time when most people in this country, most people around the world were still very unsure of and afraid of what it meant to have AIDS or be HIV positive. Plenty of players around the league were hesitant and fearful of playing with a player, playing against a player who was HIV positive because people were not entirely sure how it was contracted and just how easily it may have spread. And it could have ruined Magic Johnson's image, and it could have ruined the NBA's image. And David Stern could have kept himself a far distance from that mess. But he stood by Magic Johnson. 
and he allowed Magic Johnson to play in that All-Star game where he won All-Star MVP. He supported Magic Johnson as being a member of that 1992 Dream Team that propelled the NBA to its global popularity. Just one of countless ways in which David Stern did wonderful progressive things for this league. To put it on the positive track, it is now on. So it's sad. It's a sad day, uh, but also a, a good time to, to reflect upon just how much he accomplished as the commissioner of the NBA. Especially when you think about some of the other commissioners of professional American sports right now and how little they are respected. Whether it's Manfred, whether it's Roger Goodell. David Stern, maybe there were a few things that that he did not handle with 100% accuracy and grace. It's a tough job, and for the most part, he crushed it. He crushed it. And saw just exponential growth of the league that he was leading. Before we get to all-star vote returns, a quick word from our friends at MyBookie. Are you the type of fan that knows football or basketball so well you could choose any game and call it? Well, MyBookie is the place for you because they let you turn all your sports knowledge into cash in your wallet. Between NFL playoffs, NBA, and the start of college basketball, it's time to get off the sideline and get in on the action with MyBookie. If you're the kind of sports fan who likes to bet a little to win a lot, Try a parlay. If you like a couple of big favorites this week, parlays are perfect because they let you bet multiple games together with a much bigger payout. So if you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing and go to mybookie.ag because no one gives you more ways to win. If you're tired of watching games from the couch with nothing to gain, mybookie wants to get your mind off everything else and back on the game. If you join right now, mybookie will match your deposit halfway all the way up to $1,000. That means if you deposit $2,000, you get an extra $1,000 in free money to play with. Just use promo code Locked On to activate the offer. Once again, that's promo code Locked On to take advantage of MyBookie's generous sign-up offer. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. The other piece of news that came down over the last 48 hours was the initial returns on fan voting for the 2020 NBA All-Star teams. Zach Levine, Chicago Bulls guard, is in the hunt. Among Eastern Conference guards, Zach Levine is currently fifth with just under 175,000 votes. Former Bull and MVP Derrick Rose, currently of the Detroit Pistons, is ahead of him in fourth place with nearly 234,000 votes, and then Kemba Walker, Kyrie Irving, and Trey Young of Boston, Brooklyn, and Atlanta, respectively, round out the top three, with Trey Young having the most votes among Eastern Conference guards. Which is interesting if you think about the fact that most people who would say Zach didn't have a shot this year to make his first All-Star nod if he was not on a better team with more wins... The Atlanta Hawks are worse than the Bulls. And now I'm not saying that Zach's stats are as impressive as Trey Young's have been this season. But it is interesting that Trey, on as bad of a team as he is on, has 
th- 3x the number of votes that Zach Levine does. And there's still plenty of time. Fan voting is open until January 20th. So who knows if Zach Levine can gain a bit of momentum and perhaps leapfrog at least Derek on this list of Eastern Conference guards. No surprises that Giannis Antetokounmpo is leading all Eastern Conference frontcourt players in voting with just over a million votes. Joel Embiid, Pascal Siakam, our former pal Jimmy Butler, and Jason Tatum of Boston rounding out the top five among those. And perhaps my favorite part about Eastern Conference voting is that Jason Tatum's teammate Taco Fall is right behind him in sixth place among front court votes with over 110,000. Similarly hilarious over in the West, you have among Western Conference guards Alex Caruso of the LA Lakers at uh, just over 92,000 votes. Certainly uh, fans enjoying some of the impressive and surprising hops and dunks that we've seen from Caruso so far this season. He's like got a mural out there somewhere in L.A. He is a fan sensation, much like Taco Fall has become in Boston. Among Western Conference guards, it is Luka Doncic leading the way with 1,073,000 and change and actually just currently a few hundred votes ahead of Giannis for the most of any NBA player. Harden, Damian Lillard, Steph Curry, and Russell Westbrook rounding out the top five among Western Conference guards. Also on the top ten, you have D'Angelo Russell, Donovan Mitchell, Caruso, Devin Booker, and Ja Morant, the rookie. Western Conference front court, LeBron James with just over 1 million votes, 1,020,000 and change. His teammate, Anthony Davis, second among Western Conference front front court players with 955,000 and change. Clippers teammates, Kawhi and Paul George in third and fourth place, respectively. Carl Anthony Towns of Minnesota in fifth. Chris Stops in sixth. Nikola Jokic of Denver, seventh. Mello making the list at just over 142,000 votes in eighth place. The Pelicans' Brandon Ingram with 118,000 and change. And rounding out the top ten is... Dwight Howard, who has had a surprisingly efficient comeback as a member of the L.A. Lakers. He is just shy of 70,000 votes. So that is the fan voting picture as we see it right now, the first early returns. Now, a couple of thoughts here. As I said, still uh, two and a half weeks for fans to get their voting in, and that constitutes 50% of the total vote for who makes the all-star team 25 percent of the vote from the media 25 percent from the players themselves and then of course the coaching uh on either team responsible for making some selections for those reserve players i think it's easy to say right now that zach levine is not going to get one of those starting spots in the east have to have a heck of a comeback you would have to have a heck of a january we talked about that before to to make that list i think uh the the really cool thing and it's honestly you know very much attached to what we were just talking about with the sad passing of former commissioner david stern is right now we are on pace for Giannis antetokounmpo and second year 20 year old luka Doncic. To be the two team to be the two team captains. Remember the recent change. The top vote getter from each conference becomes an all star captain, 
and then they are uh, then they pick their squads regardless of conference. Last year it was Giannis and LeBron who had that moment on TV where you know LeBron picked Anthony Davis and Giannis cracked the joke about isn't that tampering? But this year, right now, a little over fifty thousand votes ahead of LeBron is Luka Doncic of the Dallas Mavericks, my guy John Sabine's favorite person in the world except maybe his wife i'm not positive but how great would it be if the two top vote getting players among nba fans were two international talents two international players it would say a whole heck of a lot about the league and i think it would be perfectly fitting in the year that the nba and its fans said goodbye to david stern it would be amazing Now, as for the Bulls, obviously this team would love to have a representative at All-Star Weekend as a member of one of the two All-Star teams, and Zach Levine, considering the play of all of his teammates, is far and away the best shot right now. He's in the hunt. It would be a disappointment. The first time the Chicago Bulls and the city of Chicago are hosting All-Star Weekend since the late 80s when a Michael Jordan that still had hair was winning the dunk contest. It's been a long time. 30 years. 30 years since this city last hosted NBA All-Star Weekend. And we might not have an All-Star. You know, Zach talked recently about All-Star Weekend and how much he would love to be a participant, ideally as an All-Star, and maybe, if not that, or in addition to that, once again, participating in the dunk contest as a two-time champion, or also expressing interest in the three-point contest, which I would love to see Zach do. Dude has been shooting the ball lights out from downtown this season. But it is a little frustrating when you look at all these votes who's at the top who's in the mix and just think about where the Bulls are by comparison Jimmy Butler is fourth among front court players in the east and the only guys he's trailing are reigning MVP Giannis Joel Embiid and the comet that is a rising star Pascal Siakam of Toronto reigning champion Jimmy Butler is fourth 431,000 and change compared to the 174,900 votes for Zach Levine Jimmy Butler's Miami teammate Bam Adebayo perhaps on track to be a front runner if not winner of most improved player in the NBA this season is seventh among those Eastern Conference front court players with 104,000 votes so Zach has that Bam Adebayo vote beat right now, and I honestly don't know if he deserves that. Bam Adebayo has been playing out of his mind this season. And the Heat are one of the best teams in the East, led by Jimmy. Another guy in that list of East guards receiving votes, former Bull, briefly, and currently looking like a player who makes the Brooklyn Nets better than Kyrie Irving does, Spencer Dinwiddie. 
yeah, Kyrie Irving is second among East guards with 432,000 votes, and Dinwiddie has just 94,000. But you look at what Spencer Dinwiddie did in the month of December. He is a bona fide all-star candidate. And yes, he is trailing Zach Levine in votes, and that is to be expected, considering the the gravity that each you know name carries. But I I don't know if I can honestly say that Zach Levine is a better player so far this season than Spencer Dinwiddie, who the Bulls, after watching him perform very well in summer league, decided they didn't need decided that he was the expendable piece so that they could add Michael Carter-Williams to their roster. So there are reminders all over these initial fan voting returns of some of the ways in which this Bulls team has backtracked in recent years. It's not a fun one. So we will keep our eye on how these fan votes are coming in. I'm sure we'll get another update in about a week or so. We'll see if Zach Levine gains any ground on Derrick Rose or any of the four guards ahead of him among those Eastern Conference guards receiving votes. In the meantime, Zach will need to put forth some pretty impressive performances in order to raise a little bit more attention to his all-star candidacy. Not just 30-point games perhaps in 40-point games, and, yes, in wins, not losses. All right, I went a little longer on the David Certain All-Star stuff than I anticipated, but I still want to get to at least a couple pieces of mailbag because we did not get to any of that yesterday, and hopefully we can catch up and, and do some more mailbag content uh, on either Friday or Monday of next week. But here are just a few. Uh, from the 808, uh, J- hey, Jordan and Matt, just wanted to thank you for this whole year. Listening to this podcast has made it easier to bear being a Bulls fan during this rebuilding year. Thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, On a side note, let's trade Otto Porter for Andrew Wiggins. Hear me out. The Bulls, not currently a trade destination for players. I would also add, maybe not a free agent destination. How about we trade Otto Porter and take in Wiggins' unwanted contract as getting a more reliable small forward? Timberwolves, get rid of the contract as their benefit. My only obstacle is the chemistry between Wiggins and Levine. I did watch a lot of Timber... I didn't watch a lot of Timberwolves games, so I don't know if it would work on this team what do you think? Thanks for checking in. Um, Otto for Wiggins is one that I hadn't heard yet. Uh, it's an interesting theory. Obviously, Wiggins has what many would describe as one of the most unwanted contracts, untradeable contracts in the NBA. He will be an unrestricted free agent in 2023. This season, he's making 27.5 mil. And in, subs- and in uh, succeeding seasons, 29 and a half, 31 and a half, 33.6 in 2022 23. Yikes. Lots of money for what everyone is essentially describing as a, you know, high volume shooter, shoots a lot player. Yeah, scores a lot player. One way player doesn't make his teammates better player. I think that Wiggins gets maybe a little bit too harsh of a grade and criticism for most people that follow the NBA. He has put together a much better season this season 
compared to what he did last year. He had two down years. After averaging 23.6 points per game in the 16-17 season, he followed that up with 17.7 points and 18.1 last season. This season, he's back up to a career-high 24.8 points per game on respectable 44.6% shooting. He's also averaging 5.4 rebounds, 3.3 assists, and turning the ball over two and a half times per game. Also, impressive for a guy his size, averaging 1.1 blocks per game. Now, Otto, meanwhile, is on the shelf, has been for what feels like forever, and we are still completely unclear on a potential return date. We don't really have much of a timeline from the latest update we got. He'll be reevaluated, I don't know, in another couple of weeks, in another three weeks, and then from there, we might get good news or we might get more bad news. So the Timberwolves may be hesitant to trade away not their best player. Carl Anthony Towns is obviously their best player, and maybe Minnesota is going to try to build around Cat better and go in the opposite direction of all of these Carl Anthony Towns trade rumors that appear to be swirling. And... If they can, you know, get off of that gigantic Wiggins contract and ship him away for what they deem to be a fair piece. Now, I don't think Otto Porter Jr. alone, especially with his current health status, would be enough of an incentive for the Minnesota Timberwolves to give up a player who, yes, is on a very scary contract, but is averaging nearly 25 points per game. Otto is not that. The contracts, you know, uh, you know, financially speaking, would work because Otto is making that significant amount of money this season, uh, which is you know just shy of actually right around the exact same amount of Andrew Wiggins. Let's see, Otto is making. Sorry, I'm looking this up as I'm recording. This season, 27.2, 27.25, and Wiggins, just a shade over that, 27.5. So, yeah, obviously, a, a two-player swap, one-for-one, one, would work in that sense. But I don't know if the Wolves would be willing to let him go for just that, especially, again, considering that Otto is on the shelf right now. And if the if T-Wolves the wanted to free up some of that space... Uh, and trade away Wiggins, they might be looking to do it for a couple of players collectively who make up close to what Wiggins' deal is this year who are on expiring deals. Because Otto Porter Jr. is not on an expiring deal. He has a player option next year worth $28.5 million. That, especially given all the games he's missed this season, everyone is mutually agreeing would be shocked to see Otto turn down that player option. Another 28.5 guaranteed million? He's not getting that on the open market this upcoming offseason. After this season, you know, even if he comes back and plays some games with the with the injury tag, he's not getting that. So I think Otto's gonna opt in. So that would not give the the Timberwolves any more cap flexibility if they wanted to tinker around in this offseason to put different pieces around Carl and Anthony Towns who I think most would agree is the player over Wiggins that's worth keeping. So it's an interesting idea. I just don't know if the Wolves would go for it. 
Would the Bulls do it? I don't know. You bring up an interesting point with the chemistry between Wiggins and Levine. They were both very young when they were T-Wolves teammates, so maybe it's hard to judge exactly what they would be now with each player having a couple more seasons to develop. But for what it's worth, their net rating on the court together when they were in Minnesota was not a positive one. And some of that is just that the Minnesota Timberwolves were a young, bad team when that was happening. Um, it is interesting. I, I might... I might be tempted to pull the trigger on it because Wiggins is talented, but man, that contract is ugly. I don't, you know, whereas Otto is overpaid on this contract, this contract is winding down, and Wiggins is overpaid on a contract that is just in year two of five. So I might hesitate if I were the Bulls on that one. Uh, This one comes to us from the 404 Jim Boylan said, I don't make that kind of money to give away um, after their game against Milwaukee. Could you please, or could you give some examples of what he could have said that would have resulted in a fine, please? Um, I don't know if this is a joke question or a real question, um, but that was in response to a question about the discrepancy in free throw attempts for the Bulls and for the Bucks in that game on December 30th. Obviously, there was a huge difference in the first half. 15 free throws for the Bucks and none for the Bulls. Uh, the Bulls did, I think, eventually shoot eight free throws in the second half, but it was still far and away from the number of free throws that Giannis and the Bucks got. And a lot of that is just the respect for the reigning MVP and the number one team in the East, the, the team with the best record in the NBA, uh, being the Milwaukee Bucks, and a team that does not win a lot in our Chicago Bulls, even though the Bulls were the home team in that game, they did not get the calls as if they were because home court advantage and getting those calls when you're the home team from the refs, I think is not entirely true. Um, It's more about who the officiating crew respects. And right now, nobody respects the Bulls. People respect the reigning MVP Giannis and people respect the current number one seed, the Milwaukee Bucks. But as for Jim Boylan, That's actually a line that he had used in his previous coaching career when he was the head coach at Utah at the collegiate level. Essentially, a reporter asked him about the difference of free throw attempts after a Utah loss, and he said, I'm not going to answer that, but I appreciate you bringing it up. That's essentially what what Jim said to, I believe it was uh, Phil Thompson, uh, who has been temporarily taking over for Casey Johnson at the Chicago Trib since Casey went to NBC Sports. Um, and he said, you know, thanks for the question, but I don't jokingly, you know, I don't make that kind of money to, to give it away because when you are a head coach who criticizes the officials, make no mistake about it, you will get fined. Um, of course, you know, it probably made a lot of you, I know it made me think of the time that last season Zach Levine offered to pay Jim Boylan's fine in a game where Jim was ejected for accruing a couple of technicals. And boy, they really spun that, didn't they? Oh, Zach and Jim, great relationship, really there for each other. F- found found some common ground, and it was just a great symbol of, of mutual respect. And, you know, of course, it was against the rules for Jim to accept Zach's offer to pay the fine, but it's, it's about the gesture. Well, yeah, I wonder how Zach and Jim are feeling about each other right now. <laughs> Thank, thanks for the text, though. Um All right, one more, and then we'll get out of here. This one comes to us from the 815, another trade hypothetical. 
because that's what Bulls fans are thinking about these days. Thad Young from O'Harkless, also Sadoransky and Felicio's contracts, plus a first-round pick for Drew Holiday. Let's turn this season around. Uh, well, okay, so we we have touched on the rumor about Thad Young and Mo Harkless and the fact that the Clippers have reportedly shown interest in Thad Young, who has reportedly expressed his frustration with his minutes per game so far this season and is threatening to have his agent find him a trade out of Chicago. So we, we addressed the, the Clippers' uh, potential trade, Thad Young for Mo Harkless. Um, honestly, if the Clippers threw in a second-round pick, if it were Mo Harkless and a second-round pick for Thad Young, I'd say do that trade yesterday. The Bulls could use the depth at the wing. I also think that trading Thad Young away opens up opportunities for not only Daniel Gafford to get some more minutes, who I think deserves them, but also some minutes for Wendell to play the four with Gafford out there or play you know, some other version of small ball where you can have Wendell as a four and you know, maybe Lowry at the five, switch them around. We, you know, we, we've heard that the Bulls want to explore Lowry's abilities to play the five, and Wendell himself describes himself as more of a power forward than a true center and is sized like one. He is not sized like a traditional NBA center. We also have not seen Wendell expand his offensive repertoire that much this season, and he is not shooting all that much. If you played him at the four instead of the five, maybe we see some more of Wendell spreading the floor a little bit, developing that three ball. We saw him take five three-point attempts over their past two games, the last two games of 2019. He knocked down a couple of them, but he's on pace to shoot fewer than he did last season. In, in you know, as, as from a like you know per 100 possession standpoint, because of course you know he only played 44 games his rookie year, but and even that mid-range shots taking and knocking down a couple of mid-range shots recently. The way that you see if Wendell can make that a part of his game is to bring him, not only just play him at center. And if you if you ship Thad Young out, that opens up all these other opportunities to play not only Wendell and Lowry together for more minutes, but also putting Gafford in there. Play Gafford at the five and Wendell at the four. See what that looks like. So a Thad Young trade would do that. And if it were Harkless and a second-round pick, not even a first, the second, coming back, I would do that. As for the other one, Sadoransky, Felicio, and a first-round pick for Drew Holiday, keep dreaming. <laughs> I love you. I love the optimism, but keep dreaming. First of all, that contract, setting Felicio and Sadoransky for Holiday, doesn't even work. The Bulls are not sending enough money to make up for the $26.23 million that Drew Holiday is making this season because collectively, Sadoransky and Felicio are only making $18.1. So you would have to add a little over $3 million from coming from the Bulls' direction to make that trade legal. What they could do is throw in a Denzel Valentine, $3.37 million this year, and that would get you there. There aren't that many other options on this Bulls uh, salary uh, cap right now that would get them there in that trade for Holiday. Now, the question, would the Pelicans, who are having an underwhelming season, but of course have been missing since the beginning of this season, their number one overall pick, Zion Williamson, who, by the way, if you didn't see it, did practice this morning, Thursday morning, And we'll see if we get another update on his knee and what kind of condition he's in. But it sounds like he was a full participant in practice. 
And the Bulls play the Pelicans next Wednesday. So we might see Zion on the court for, if not his season debut, maybe his second or third game of the season, which would be awesome. But so I don't know. Maybe the Pelicans aren't ready to panic trade Drew Holiday because they've been missing a very important piece. And they value Drew Holiday as a veteran leader and a quality guard in this league. Because no offense to any of these gentlemen, but Sadoransky, Felicio, and Valentine? It's, it's not much. Obviously, you're just sending contract to eat for Felicio. The dude's never getting another NBA contract again. Thanks a lot, Gar Foreman. Sadoransky is a quality role player, but he's not better than Drew Holiday. And Denzel Valentine showed a flash or two as a as a three-point shooter and a solid passer when he got out of Jim Boylan's doghouse, but has also had some pretty crummy games since coming back. So, I, I mean, I don't, I don't see a whole lot there. I don't know if, you know, adding a first-round pick gets you there. If you're, if you're the Bulls calling and inquiring about Drew Holiday, I would love to add Drew Holiday to this roster. I think it would be a great help. But I don't think the Bulls get him unless they are giving up a quality piece. I don't think the Bulls get Drew Holiday if they don't send out Wendell, Kobe, Zach, or Lowry. I don't think it happens without one of those guys. And then, of course, if it's one of those guys and one of those contracts, then the other pieces of that deal would be adjusted to make up and get to that $26.2 million that Drew Holiday is earning this season. But I, I think even if you throw in that first-round pick, which, you know, let's see where that'll be for the Bulls, it might be a lottery pick. It probably will be a lottery pick, but it'll be a late lottery pick. Whether or not the Bulls would want to put protections on that, who knows, but most likely, which would make New Orleans, of course, then less inclined to take the deal. I just think it's a far-fetched one. But keep them coming. I love all these trade hypotheticals because that February 6th trade deadline is just around the corner, and I don't blame Bulls fans for, for keeping one eye on some potential trades to maybe make this season a more bearable one, make the future a little brighter. That's it for today. Uh, as I said, we'll try to get to some more mailback content either on Friday or early next week. Uh, for my partner, Jordan Malley, Matt Peck saying thanks so much for listening. As always, we will talk to you tomorrow. In the meantime, hit us up, 331-979-1369 for the text and voicemail hotline. We're at Bulls under, underscore Peck, Jordan C. Malley, and at Locked on Bulls. Have a great day, Bulls Nation. Hopefully we can uh, get a W against the Utah Jazz tonight. We'll see. I'm not counting my chickens on that one, but we will be here tomorrow for you either way. Have a good one. Peace out. Locked on Bulls, a show for the most passionate fan base in the NBA. Hosts Jordan Malley and Matt Peck dive into the best Bulls news and stories around the NBA. For more content and to stay up to date, head over to LockedOnBulls.com 